You're listening to the Music Interval Theory Podcast with TC and Frank. Hello and welcome to a new episode from the Music Interval Theory Podcast. This is Frank and today I want to share a special three-way discussion that we recorded at an online event at the Academy earlier this year. You will hear TC chime in a few times next to our special guest Olivier Bost-Veronois, a Music Interval Theory Academy graduate who turned into a real master composer. So I'm delighted to share this great discussion about interval theory and how to implement it most efficiently. Let's jump right in. So the first question right here, how are you using interval theory to create different moods for storytelling? Can you give a few examples? And probably, Olivier, if you want to chime in first, then that is totally fine. So the question in short is really, how do you treat different moods using the intervals? Yeah, in fact, that's really interesting with Mita. I already thinking about the concept of you have an interval, but you can also uh, use different root tones because the bass register is very important in music. And so you can uh, use a different root tone on a very consonant interval and make it sound completely different. So for me, for example, even with the same interval, I can give it a different mood and different atmosphere because of the root tone. And after we have all the resources of orchestration because the way you, you are playing a note uh, also is an emotion. What instrument? Is it pianissimo? Is it forte? Staccato? So it's not only the interval in a way, it's the root tone also you can add. And I believe it comes also into the world of psychoacoustics. So if you ask yourself, what sounds are you afraid of? Is it really a major or minor triad in the middle register? <laughs> Probably not. Is it something at the very low or very high register? Probably so, because these are sounds that don't appear in nature so often, meaning usually they signalize danger to you. That is why you, you hear sirens with a very high pitch and moving. This is an unnatural sound that does not appear in nature, but it grabs your attention. And I would really think about psychoacoustics way more because then you realize, okay, I can actually grab a two interval, put it down in the bass range and play it with a tuba and a bass trombone in fortissimo. And I guarantee it won't sound like a two anymore because of the register, because of the sounds, because of the overtones those two guys create. You can really think about this as a puzzle, a big puzzle that consists of several variables. And those are for sure the orchestration, yes, also the register. Then the interval itself, it sounds probably even more frightening to put a one interval down there. These are the elements that I would look into to create different moods. Really what we talk about is part of module six from the orchestration concepts course. Then another one here, which interval combination would create the most tension? Olivier, maybe you go first. 
one plus one is also very tense. This would have been my answer as well. One plus one, because this is really such a high amount of energy that you compress in this tiny space so that it by nature creates tension. And that is a cluster, obviously. A two plus three or three plus two is not a cluster, since those are just scale tones in sequence. And you find these on all of the scales that we use. In all of the church modes, there is a two plus three or three plus two in there. And it's not necessarily part of tension. So I would really think more into one plus one or even the position changes of that. A 13 is also a position change of one in open harmony. Right? So that is why a 13 sounds very dissonant if you play it on the, on the keyboard. Then let's see, another question for you, Olivier. Do you write with the piano only when it gets to the sketch? Piano is my first instrument, so sometimes I use mainly piano for uh, when it begins uh, tense. In a way, I don't even need the, the piano because of all the knowledge I have now, uh, not, not necessary. I'm not always using the piano, but I love playing chords. And yes, when I'm stu studying uh, the, the lessons, yes, I play all the position on the keyboards because I, I, I need to have this uh, emotional reaction, which is important for me before writing uh, anything. Yeah. yeah, I see. Then actually, TC, this could be a question that might be interesting for you. This refers to something that I believe is part of the intro video. This is a quote. Once you understand the TNO, the nature of the intervals, you can apply various gathering methods to build your materials for sketching. The question is, what does that mean? It's almost something we do naturally now. So let me try to put it in words. I guess whenever I teach a lesson on gathering, I, I don't talk in musical terms. I actually say, what if you decided you're going to bake a pie and you were going to go out into the field and gather the berries for a pie? And so you, you know you want it to be a berry pie, but you don't know exactly which one. So you gather blueberries and strawberries and all these, and you may use them and you may not. Well, what you've done is you're gathering your materials for the pie. So the same thing applies to a gathering. If you have a piece that you want, let's say you have a piece, you want it to be percussive. You might use smaller intervals. So you'll start with ones and twos. And then we have various methods of dealing with those. One is position change and then position change through a RC or a root cycle and then you'll hear things will just come to you. We call that gathering and that is designed to connect you artistically, emotionally to the creative pool. The creative pool is another concept that we have in media and it basically is that creativity is all around you is a huge giant pool of possibilities and you may not be connected to it and that's why you have writer's block if you were connected to it you wouldn't have writer's block so the gathering is a whole bunch of different methods 
of ways to free you from having writer's block and get you connected to the creative pool. It, it is almost like getting access to an infinite gradation and number of colors that you can use in creating your art. And this is just brilliant because if you think, for example, in, in scales, like the diatonic theory suggests, then you pick a scale, might be the Aeolian, let's say, and it has a specific color and emotion to it. And you compose your piece in Aeolian and it sounds a bit sad because that's the nature of that mode. If you pick the Lydian, then it all sounds a bit uplifting and positive because that's the nature of the Lydian. But it's all set to this frame that comes from the scale. Now the intervals, and especially when you mix them together, that is really where the beauty and the magic happens. The funny part is that all of those intervals, they have their own behavior musically. If you isolate them, they all sound logical, like the two interval that we looked at. It sounds logical to let the two resolve to a four or an eight, because that's the authentic cadence. Now, if you, for example, combine those two twos and they create even a third interval, <laughs> which is, well, they, they create four intervals because now you have an outside and an inside interval as well. <laughs> and they are different numbers even. So now you're, you're dealing with way more opportunities and situations and you can almost focus on one interval and let this guy take the lead in the music. And it will sound connected from one bar to the next. That is what the intervals bring to the table. It doesn't matter what the scale is. It doesn't matter what your root tone is at this point. And this amount of freedom, this can't be happening in the diatonic system because per definition, you are allowed to use seven scale tones if you refer to a heptatonic scale, of course. And this is not true with the intervals. So that is one of this great extension of emotional storytelling that is way easier once you focus on the intervals. And I know that this is a, a vast subject that is probably not easy to answer in two or even five minutes. Probably the best step to experience that is read through some of the articles that we have on the website, listen to the podcast episodes. This is all free materials and it's all available. I suggest really to take some of those free pieces of content and dive into this and see how you respond to that emotionally. And you will realize quickly if that is something that you can relate to, that seems helpful, supportive, or, you know, maybe it's not. But you have to try it, otherwise you, you don't know. From my experience a few months ago, I was on uh, your uh, little video about a position change and the piece sinister. And I'm here because of this piece. A piece of music is very important, you know, it can affect uh, many things. And I can actually give that credit also to TC because one of the musical pieces that got me to connect with UTC, I probably never told you this, was one track that I found on the internet which was labeled or named something like Wake Up Little Nemo. But this was just a fantastic piece of music that I had no clue how to write something like that. I had no idea. And 
this was initially my motivation to find out, okay, who actually wrote this? Who is that Thomas J. Jones guy? He knows something that I have no clue of. So let, let me ask him, what is the difference? What are you doing differently to get there? Because if you can phrase it in, in a paragraph or just explain it to me or show me some you know, sketch materials even, please do so. Because to me, it was important to understand the process behind it. That's quite, <laughs> quite a compliment coming from a great uh, composer. <laughs> I appreciate it. I can't take any credit for how wonderful your compositions have become. Other than I know I rub off on you a little bit. And that's why your sense of humor is getting a little bit kind of crazier. But, you know, I just remember in Vienna, you sitting in class and I, I'd walk in every day and go, there's, there's that guy. He's so interested and has so many questions. And every time I give an example to the class, his is the best one. And so you boxed me in and you didn't let, let me escape. Even when I came back to LA, I kept getting emails from you. So I recognized early on, I mean, in case anybody out there can't tell the difference, I'm a little older than Frank, but I recognized early on that Frank was a special musical person. So really he, he was a giant catalyst for me too, because I was just working all the time and he wanted to know more. So we figured out how to get him more and then get other people more. And that's how it grew. It was was uh, not where we sat down and did a business plan. It was just a journey in motion, so to speak, musical journey. Yeah, that's a wonderful description. And it's, it's all true. We actually, we do have one more question that I uh, wanna move over to you, Olivier, because it is a question that I believe you can answer best. The relation of the intervals, how you put them on the canvas, they created a similar sound to the whole tone scale. Are you really at this point thinking in intervals only or is it a combination of the intervals and following a scale? I know, for example, the last chord is the whole tone scale when I stack two plus two plus two. It's the beginning of the Alton scale. So I know the last chord was a Alton scale, but it was not my first motivation. My, my first motivation was to use the interval and the fact of using the interval gave me the Alton scale, but I didn't want to play the Alton scale first. It's the consequence. And these are just different options. So I, I think it is very beneficial to start with one perspective, and this can also be a scale. So if you want to pick a scale first, then do it, rely on that scale and create your sounds and progressions and whatever you want to do, and then just pick something out of what you did up to this point and remove that point of view completely and just look at that string or look at a set of tones and what intervals they create. And you can switch that perspective fluently. I would say it's a good idea to be aware of the fact that you can switch sides very elegantly because sometimes a very strong diatonic sound is required, especially in emotional storytelling. 
Look at all these heroic moments in all the movies that are essentially stories. I guarantee it's a very strong diatonic chord progression below. Always. You won't hear a two interval that is not resolving when the hero saves the world and acts like you would expect from a hero. So this is just a fantastic opportunity to switch to scale thinking in a way and the diatonic thinking, of course. I'm thinking also the, the use of major chord, a four plus three, if you just raise the fifth, you go to four plus four and you're between meta and diatonic because uh, with four plus four, we have many possibilities. And at the same time, it gives the romantic feeling of the diatonic music. Sometimes we are always between both sides at the same time with just one click, one chromatic step. Take advantage of all the tools that are available to you as a composer. And scales, this is a, a huge topic. Of course, never abandon this. <laughs> well, the other, I, I wanna say one thing, the whole tone scale. The second you say scale, you're tied to a collection of notes. If you have the intervals, you're not tied to the collection of notes. I'm gonna get a little heady here, if it's okay. If you have a, a two plus two, your bottom note's C, so it's a C, D, E. And you look at that as two twos, so you have C to D, that's one two, and then D to E. And then you look at the resolution of that structure, it actually goes to four notes, because it goes to G, C sharp, E flat, A in open voicing. So you really have a lot of things that intervallic thinking frees you from like a scale. Most people use the whole tone scale, especially in the sci-fi years. It's almost a, an older sound. You can do better with intervals because you're free to move places where the whole tone scale wouldn't really naturally take you to think more in terms of dividing the whole tone scale into sets of twos because each two will have a whole lot of possibilities. So I believe we made it actually through the questions here. I think it's about time then to say once again many thanks not only to Monsieur Olivier Bost-Veronois for this wonderful interview. Part one actually, we will have part two coming up in May. We're gonna announce the session and everything and we will try to have something similar to this one here when we talk about the orchestration of that piece to be or not to be and of course also many many thanks to all the attendees who made the time to experience the interval theory applications and we truly hope that you got something out of this inspiration, maybe some new ideas, how to think musically, maybe even a brighter musical future. I personally am very appreciative of how much work you both put into this, so thank you. It was a fun for me. And I have a great teacher, Frank Erlinger. Olivier, don't say this out too loud because I will come back to you and ask you for more sessions in the future. <laughs> it will be with pleasure. Yeah. Because we are. Oh, that's brilliant. Friend. This podcast is powered by the Music Interval Theory Academy your resource for getting clarity and confidence in music composition and orchestration.
See you inside at musicintervaltheory.academy.com.